We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I was wondering if you could do me a little favor. I'm doing some research on something called Podcast Market Fit and would love it if you could fill out a quick survey. Should take no more than three to five minutes. The link is at the top of the show notes. Thanks in advance. Now, on to my guest for today, Dallin Reber, CEO of Realizations, a company that produces self-mastery journals. Dallin played baseball in college and became interested in sports science, earning his master's and working for a research company in Tampa. He soon realized, however, that he wanted more from life. Journaling was a tool he used to gain insight and clarity on moving from figuring out what he wanted to do to figuring out the man he wanted to be. Inspired by the insights he found in journaling, Dallin developed a journaling product using a print-on-demand service, soliciting feedback and learning from customers how to make the product better. When he and his wife realized they were expecting their second child, he decided he needed to be an example for his kids and follow his dreams. He got more serious, revamped his product, put it up for sale on Amazon, and then started his podcast, Realizations, Defining Success Beyond Dollars. Now, let's get better 
together. Dallin Reber, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show, Jari. It's a pleasure being here with you. Yeah, well, thank you as well. And we talked a little bit about before we started recording about just the general kind of challenges in the world and you know, <laughs> yeah. having some bad, bad couple, you know, bad couple of year, I guess for some, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I know we had, we'd shared a little bit about some of the challenges that we're going through and what, what I find interesting about what you're doing about your journaling product in your podcast, uh, realizations, um, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I get a lot of people on the show that are like coaches and, you know, for whatever reason, coaches are really good at promoting themselves. It's, <laughs> it's, it's actually, we could all learn something from them. I say yeah. that jokingly, but they're pretty good at it. But what I find really cool about what you're doing is I'm a big fan of writing mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, your kind of process of how you see the world and your journaling package and all that sort of stuff, which, which we'll get to in a second. It's just so, so super fascinating. And so, uh, but before we get into all that, like I like to say, uh, why don't you tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Man, yeah, that's uh, that's quite the question. Uh, let me try to give you, I guess, a spark note version, and then we can dive deeper in as the episode goes on. But basically, you know, I found myself shortly after my getting my master's degree, working a job that that I liked, but that didn't fulfill me. And, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Right. So I found myself in this position where, you know, I, I just wasn't as happy as I thought I would be. And so I started diving into, I guess you could say just personal growth techniques or trying to, you know, read a lot of books that can help my mindset. Cause maybe, you know, maybe it was just my perspective on things that I needed to fix. And in this journey of, you know, trying to, um, I guess, imp- improve my perspective on, on, not only where I was at, but the direction that I was headed. I I came across a guy who his name is Rob Dial. He's got a really big podcast and it's all about, um, you know, mindset. And one of the things that he always talks about is journaling. And my background being in athletics, uh, journaling wasn't something that, you know, it, it wasn't something that I uh, was accustomed really? to really yeah. sharing your feelings as a, you know, knuckle dragger. <laughs> like, no, nah, of course, yeah. like I was yeah. an athlete too. We, we didn't, I think coach would be like, walk that off, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when I thought of journaling, you know, if from, uh, I guess maybe it's from how I was introduced to it as a child, but all I saw was like a blank sheet of paper and a pen. And so I kept hearing this guy who on his podcast would talk about, the the power of journaling and that most people do it incorrectly. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe I should give this a shot. And he, he just happened to be launching like a group training to teach you to journal correctly. And this was my birthday month back in 2017. And my wife, you know, graciously got me this. This is my gift for, for my birthday for the month of April. Wow. So I hopped in this class and basically what it was, was every day we were presented with a new question that we would, we would, you know, we'd go through and we'd, we just answer the question in a few sentences. You'd write down the answer and it's group format. So following this, following the few minutes, we kind of discuss how, you know, how, how this impacts not only us today, 
But, um, you know, what we can learn from this from maybe past experiences and then apply this for future experiences. And it was in this, you know, this four week time frame where I, I realized that I was stressing so much about what I'm going to do with my life when really my focus needed to be who am I becoming? Because once I made that that transition, that mental shift, you know, I started being getting more granular in the person that I saw myself becoming. Then, you know, I I kind of looked at that person and was like, okay, well, someday from from now until being that person, I have to just make the decision to start behaving like that person. So uh, I did. I started, I made the decision, you know, I better be that person sooner rather than later. And since then, I've, you know, I feel like progress in so many different domains in my life have continued to accelerate. So um, from this experience, I guess. Uh, is is kind of how I got into my product in in really helping people ask themselves the right questions and journal correctly because like we mentioned you know I think it's um, a term that when people hear journaling it's like okay let's talk about our feelings from going to the grocery store this morning <laughs> and and that's yeah. not yeah yeah it, yeah I get you I get you yeah and although there's you know there's therapeutic benefits to doing that it's for a lot of people it's not it's not practical and because it's not practical it's not sustainable. So the reason that I created my product the way I did is because I took you know some techniques for goal setting gratitude journaling and you know uh reflection and I just simplified it as much as possible because the only way somebody's really going to maximize the benefits and and make it a habit that they can sustain long term is if it's something that they can crank out in in two to five minutes a day. And so, you know, I found that that was something that was missing in a lot of existing products. One, they were either too like gratitude focused or too. Um, goal focused. Yeah. And or too, or too woo woo. <laughs> yeah. And it <laughs> As just my was fiance some... <laughs> says the woo woo ones. I'm like, cool. Right. right. But yeah, you know, I know what you mean. Yeah. So I just wanted something that where, you know, a, a tagline I use is gratitude meets productivity. You know, how can you be more productive, but not mm. lose sight of the present moment? And yeah. ultimately that's what I'm striving to do with um, the self mastery bundle that, that I've launched. Cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I hadn't, I haven't, you know, I haven't looked into it too much. I mean, I did kind of look a little bit about what, what you're talking about and obviously listen to a little bit of your podcast. Cause you know, what I find fascinating about writing, like, again, everyone knows, I mean, I've written six books. I'm working on my seventh. I've got an, another, another eighth one that I'm thinking about, you know, like I love, I love to write. And one of the things that I found, especially when I, when my wife Jane died, and that's one of the books I'm working on is, is this memoir about our relationship. I really found that the writing part of it kind of processed the feelings, put it on the page, and then now it's out of my head, mm -hmm. which is very powerful, very mm -hmm. powerful. I mean, you know, you don't have to write a memoir to do that. <laughs> and you don't have to, like, yeah. I'm a story nerd. So for me, it's like, everyone's like, oh, I have such a hard time just writing, you know, this 1500 word blog post. I go, I, I like write that every day. Like, cause yeah. that's my job. I, right. I write for pay. That's my job. Right. Right. So, um, so I can see how just the process of making it simple and a couple minutes a day. I, I remember um, I used to, I, you know, I'm an endurance athlete. 
didn't didn't play um, sports in college. But I, I think you played handball, right? Were you a handball? Baseball. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, I was I never played at that level, but but always been interested in sports, playing sports. And I remember I had a coach that was helping me prepare for an endurance event, and he's like, "You got to read five minutes a day." And I'm all, "Huh? Like five minutes? Right. Like you know?" He's like a knuckle dragger kind of guy. I'm like, five minutes a day, bro. I like I read books you know, in a day or yeah. sometimes, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what? And it's like, yeah. And then you should write a, like, just write a couple sentences. And I'm all, huh? Well, what? So I see where you're coming from because yeah. a lot of times that's really challenging. So how did you come up? I mean, you pulled this all together. I, I see on Amazon, it's, it's well-reviewed. It's one of the top things. I mean, that's really a great, great accomplishment. How, how did it, how did it come together? Like how, how did the physically like making these things? Cause that's always really cool. I always enjoy hearing that. Yeah, that's a great question. And so basically, you know, when, when I had the idea of creating my own physical product, I wasn't in, I was still working my job and I was in a position where I wanted to create, you know, my own physical product, but I wasn't ready to fully commit. I was, you know, I, I was kind of balling on a budget, wanted to see what I could do on my own. So I went through, uh, firstly, I went through a print on demand company, um, you know, because it was basically 50 bucks to upload my file and, and order some, some hard, hard copies. So once I had my design all, all established, I uploaded it, I ordered some, and then I started doing my own like advertising, just kind of organically on mainly on Twitter. I was really active and growing on Twitter at the time. So I was getting sales here and there. Um, but with being a print on demand company, one, my quality was very limited and my margins weren't that great. So, and I was doing, you know, I was doing all the shipping myself, which, uh, you know, varied depending on where I was shipping it to in the United States. So, you know, we got pictures of just boxes and wrapping paper, you know, white tissue paper, stickers and journals all over our counter in our tiny little apartment with our daughter running around. And, and that's so this like, way, that's like the origin story of Amazon, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've seen the photos, you've seen the, you've seen the photo, right? Like back yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was doing this that allowed me to get feedback from people. And so from that feedback, I was able to make some really, really important decisions on my design and just the overall layout of the journal. So, you know, after doing this for a little bit and, you know, I wasn't generating an income, the 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 main benefit I was getting was just getting feedback from people and and everybody who bought one, I would personally reach out and ask them questions, kind of pick their brain and and use that and take notes on it and use that for for you know future manufacturing. And it was about this time, um, you know, we actually found out that we were expecting our second child, which came as a surprise. So as you can imagine, you know, the, the story goes, we just discussed that we were gonna wait until we had more kids. And two weeks later, we we found out we were expecting another one. <laughs> well, congratulations! <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, he's he's a year old now. Wow, so great! Running around great, and great. <laughs> we're Wonderful. definitely happy that he's here now. Yeah. Uh, but I did lose some sleep, you know, in this <laughs> in this moment, and I started. It was kind of in this time where I realized, you know, if things are going to change, then I need to take responsibility and I need to take this more seriously. 
And, and not only that, like it really made me reflect on just the type of example I want to be as a father. If I want to be somebody who, um, you know, instills courage in their kids, well, how can I do that if I'm not courageous enough to chase my own dreams? So I, I, I immediately started taking things a lot more seriously, um, started paying a mentor of mine who I still work with, who's very successful on Amazon and was able to get my product created and launched on Amazon um, last November. So, you know, I guess from the, you know, the span of taking it seriously to actual launch was probably just over a year. And, but now, you know, the product's up on Amazon and it seems to be going well. I'm just happy to be in the position that I, that I am in, but ultimately, you know, that's kind of the story of, how I ended up creating the product and some, you know, some inspiration that I guess I received along the way. No, I mean, and, and I really love that whole, you know, you sort of did the MVP for a physical product type approach, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and that's, that's the brilliance of on demand. Yeah. It's not perfect. And mm-hmm. a bunch of my, you know, my books are all self-published and some are with publisher, but a lot of it's on demand yeah. stuff. And you're right. Like you have, you, you have, you run out of options or yeah. the options are limited, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're meant for books, not for journals. Right. right so I was, right. so I was basically ordering a book that people are writing in. And so <laughs> the, the paper quality and just the way, you know, the binding and the way it opens up, it just, it wasn't to the, the standard that I envisioned. Mm. And so once I decided to take things seriously, that's when I started to, I was contacting manufacturers overseas and so I could order in bulk. And then that allowed me to really customize and get it to the quality standard that I had envisioned in, for, in the first place. Yeah. And I think that's really important to know your customer as well. Cause you know, my fiance, she, she loves journals and these notebooks. I mean, she is, she goes deep, deep, deep down the rabbit hole on this stuff. And yeah. she has these beautiful things that are organized and they're just, they're like a work of art, yeah. honestly. And, and if is you're like into that, sorry, is it like a bullet journal? No, I don't kind of like a scrapbook type journal. No, it's, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's spiral bound. She can pull the little, um, the, the pages out. It's got all the yeah. intentions and your goals and your one year and your three year and your 10 year. And it's just gotcha. organizes your world. It's just like a, oh, I don't remember the name of it. I mean, it's like a Franklin Covey or Covey Franklin one, but just at a different level. It, it, gotcha. And yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> like she'll color in them and, you know, like it's like mm-hmm. her year. Right. And, and the, <laughs> the other cool thing was, and that, that I think a lot of entrepreneurs should really, really think really strongly about is the direct feedback, like talking to every one of the people that bought one of your notebooks or I'm Absolutely. sorry, one of your journals that, mm. what did you learn from that? Oh man, I learned a lot. You know, I, I ended up, I had to, I guess a a really good example is one of the things that uh, I've found with my personal use in journals and planners, you know, you could, I guess you could almost use the the term journal and planner interchangeably, but I've used quite a few in the past and most of which I haven't really stuck with just because of the, the complication or, you know, you're setting monthly, weekly, daily goals, but 
the those weekly and those monthly goals ended up for me kind of getting lost in the mix because I was flipping back and forth or, you know, I had to find the page that had these goals. And so it just get lost in the mix. And I found that the most value I got was, you know, in the daily pages, because that's what I was doing daily. That's what was keeping me present on what I needed to do that day. And, and I didn't like flipping, having to flip back and forth and it come to find out, you know, a lot of the feedback that I I got was the same thing. Like I love it. And it was something that I could stick with, but I found like, I felt like I was flipping back and forth so much. And so I was, I tried to adjust the layout that could inhibit that because then the other issue is, um, you know, the other issue would be, I guess, let me backtrack a little bit. So there's a, a few different layouts that these journals will do. They'll do at the very beginning, they'll have their monthly planning. At the, then they'll have all their weekly planning, then all their daily pages. That requires flipping back and forth. The other issue that you run into is the alternative layout, which is, you know, seven days, then weekly planning, seven days, weekly planning. Well, the issue with that, then if you miss a day while you're journaling, you feel like you just wasted a week. And you feel like you just kind of have to wait until your next planning day to to get things started because it messes up your schedule. And so I I actually ended up through the feedback coming up with the idea with just making them two separate products. So that's why I it's called the self-mastery bundle. Now, what that entails is the self-mastery journal, which is your daily planner or your daily journal that it's basically, you know, goal setting. Uh, a single affirmation for the day, gratitude journaling, reflection. And then there's there's kind of a thought-provoking inspirational journal prompt that, you know, is is not only there to make you think more about what it is you want to do or create or what life you want to live, but, you know, who you want to become in this process. And so that is the self-mastery journal. And then coupled with that in this bundle is the ha- habit tracker journal. So this is more of your weekly planning and where I think or where I hope I solved the problem is in this habit tracker journal, the pages are perforated. So you can do your weekly planning on Sunday, rip it out and, you know, you can put it on your mirror, you can put it on your fridge, use it as a bookmark for your daily journal, or you can use it as a bookmark for your book. So this way, your weekly habits and your weekly goals that you're setting for yourself are always present you can you can see them they don't get lost in the mix and when you're using your daily journal if you miss a day you know you you don't feel like you're wasting pages and as well as there's no flipping back and forth in the in the process so that was one of the big goals and one of the big, big problems that I really wanted to solve yeah i love that i oh, that's that's genius, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, because I, so what I do, like with my journaling notebooks and stuff, like I have a notebook that I write stuff in. I hardly ever refer back to it. But like, I think, I think we mentioned before, we, we talked about before we started recording. When I write it down, it's out of my head. If it's out of yep. my head, it's not bouncing around, right? That's one of the huge advantages of journaling. But this whole idea of like, okay, here's my habit journal weekly, monthly goals. I set those. It's completely separate from the random free to be you and me. If the mood Mm -hmm. strikes, I do my little, you know, you know, journaling. 
That's profound, I think, because mm-hmm. I, 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 you're right. I have the problem I have with those real formalized planners and stuff. I don't like flipping back and forth. Yeah. I feel bad if I don't do stuff and, and, or like, I, I don't know if I care about wasting pages. I just don't like, where did I put it? Where did I put it? Yep. Where did I put it? You know? Yeah. And, and you don't want to feel like, you know, you, you're taking on another project. You want something to fit your, your, you know, your, your routines that you have and not like you have to just create a lot of room for it. And I think that's where a lot of, a lot of products try to do too much instead of really honing in on, okay, what is going to provide the most value in the most efficient manner? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. I agree. Like I said, my, my fiance's planner yeah. slash journal slash the thing is a work of art <laughs> and it's, that's cool. it's got these, I don't know, like you said, yours is perforated, but there's this, there's this other methodology. I think Franklin Covey has it where they can pull out a page and stick a page back in it, I don't remember what it's called, but those pages have that. And yeah, I just I want to go ahead. Oh, sorry. I want to backtrack a little bit yeah. and touch on a point that you've mentioned, which is, um, you know, when you write, you feel like it, it frees up space in your mind and, you know, thoughts do take up space in your mind. And one of the things that, you know, if nothing else, I think one of the most valuable things that journaling provides is your ability to, to be present. And let me explain. So, you know, a lot of people, I, I would imagine listening to this podcast, they're probably, you know, in the realm of, entrepreneurship business or desiring to be in that realm. And so what what a lot of these entrepreneurs struggle with is once their their work day ends, it doesn't end, right? Because their wheels are still spinning. Now they're they're going, you know, they're going home with their family and kids or their wife and kids or their significant other and they are with them but their thoughts are elsewhere and they're not really thriving in that present moment. And one of the things that journaling can provide is almost like this write and release effect where you, you know, so I would encourage anybody, and even if it's not with my product, get a pen and paper. And when you finish your workday, write down tomorrow's top three goals. And then any other notes aside that you don't want to forget, write that down, close your computer, go spend time with your family and have a blast. And then now you can wake up and because you understand that these thoughts, these things that you don't want to forget, it doesn't rely on your memory. They live on this paper so you can release your mind from these thoughts and enjoy the present moment and then not miss a beat tomorrow when you get back to it. Yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because that has been my personal experience with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And this also happens when you're under a lot of stress and strain and where you're dealing with some pretty challenging times in your life, uh, your mind races. This is especially happens at night, (laughs) at least, you know, lately it's been happening to me at night where, Oh my gosh, there's so many things and I've all these problems. And I think it's like parking those thoughts on the page so that you don't forget them. Because that's a lot of times people have the anxiety about, oh, I just have to yeah. do this one more thing. I mean, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. are like this uh, constantly. Every young entrepreneur I've ever talked to or know is just always about like, well, I got to do all this stuff. I'm like, 
it'll wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Write it down. It'll be fun. It's like, it's okay. You know, like the world still spins. There's still 24 yeah. hours in a day. You know, they, they kind of don't get the fact that the, the time is very important and it is precious and it's, we only get a certain amount of time, but that you don't have to do everything at once. And if you can sort of park that stuff in a way that's going to calm your mind and like, let you relax, like, okay, yes, it's taken mm -hmm. care of. Mm -hmm. um, and so how has it been kind of growing, growing your business? I mean, you said it's been about a year since you sort of switched to, I don't know, full-time or taking it more serious. Um, how, how has that process been? Cause I know a lot of people, they, especially with physical products, I mean, software, whatever, right. People <laughs> do their side hustle and it's like, oh, well, it's not that much money, but mm -hmm. I mean, you got to print stuff and get it shipped and put it in a, probably your house or apartment <laughs> boxes yeah. full of this stuff. And how, how does, how does that process work? Yeah. Well, by the way, I have about 300 pieces sitting in my garage right now. So <laughs> you're, you're spot on on that. My wife was just asking me the other day when we're going to get rid of that. So yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully everyone listening will buy some so that you can, <laughs> yeah. you can be marital bliss. <laughs> yep. Hey, it's up to you all listening to make my wife happy. <laughs> That's hundred percent true. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the, just the logistics of it all. You know, it's been, it's been, good. It's, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I, I think, um, you know, at times, especially early on, things were going a lot better than I had anticipated. Uh, but then you, you know, you run into the challenge of cash flow management, especially when you're dealing with manufacturing overseas. And, you know, initially when you launch a product and you don't know how it's going to sell yet, and then you run out of inventory pretty quick and you got to order and, you know, in my situation, be, things are a little more complicated when you're ordering a book from China instead of, you know, a pillowcase. A book is much heavier, takes up more space. My shipping situation, I have to do a large majority by sea just so I can make margins work. And so that all plays a factor in my cash flow management. And basically, you know, if I run low on inventory, I might be six weeks out before I actually can restock that inventory. So that was a hiccup early on, um, you know, but there, there's no complaints, right? There's, it, it was a good problem to have. I'd rather, you know, launch a product and get low on inventory than have the reverse happen. So <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be like, oh, honey, yeah. you've got thousands of these things and no one's buying them. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, honestly, like the, the thing that I would always talk about in the preparation of my product and, and the same holds true now is just the importance of patience. Like when I was getting ready to launch my product, I had a set date of when everything was going to be launched. And again, I had a setback with my manufacturer and that's not, you know, when, when that happens, it's not a few days, it's weeks or months so I had to fill this time. I, you know, initially, obviously it's extremely overwhelming and frustrating, but I had to sit back and think to myself, you know, how, what can I do now to make sure that when it does launch, it, it's even better than it would have been if it would have launched today, you know? So it, it kind of gave me the opportunity to, um, to seek out other skill sets. I started writing more, doing more blogs, learning how to, 
um, do web design, create my own website, just little things like that. And then now in this, you know, fast forward to the present moment, one of my main focuses is my podcast, which uh, I think you've mentioned earlier, Realizations with Down Rever. Um, that is a podcast that I, you know, something that I've always wanted to do. And I, I started hopping on, uh, uh, you know, as a guest on a bunch of shows when I was trying to bring awareness to the launch of my product. And I found that I enjoyed it so much that I, you know, I was like, I can't wait any longer. I need to launch it. But that's solely, you know, you could attribute the fact that I launched the podcast this year to the fact that I had my product delayed and my launch delayed months that caused me a ton of stress. And, you know, I had to figure out what I could do to maximize my time. Podcasting, guest podcasting was one of those things. Kind of fell in love with it and, and loved these conversations. And, you know, from that, I was able to launch my own. So I guess, you know, the long story short is there's there's definitely, it's definitely a learning curve, especially having no experience in um, just um building a brand, but my main focuses now are just optimizing through Amazon. I'm adding more SKUs. I'm adding more products. So basically right now, the only available version is the journal and the, so the self-mastery journal and the habit tracker journal, but within the next seven to 10 days, you'll be able to purchase those um, alone. So not only, not just as a bundle, which, um, you know, will be hopefully be really good for uh, returning customers who don't necessarily need both, but find that they enjoyed one more than the other. Um, so I'm heavily focused on that as well as building my audience through my personal podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think we met through matchmaker.fm. If I'm not yeah. Mistaken. Yep. That's and, correct. Which, uh, I actually just talked with James, the CEO. Cool. He was on my pod a couple weeks ago and I actually got interviewed on his pod. Wow, that's awesome. Matchmakers. I don't remember what he calls it, but yeah, I love him. He's great. He's he's so like <laughs> I can't gush about that product more. And yeah. people think that like they pay me, they don't. <laughs> I, mean, I, <laughs> they I actually well, I actually pay for it. Um, I'm a <laughs> pro version or whatever. But the thing that I mean, when we talk about the stuff, the thing that was so like, and you hit on it, and this is the thing that I just it's I wish I learned this sooner, right? When you can focus down on a niche and you can super serve and do one thing really well and not worry about being all things to all people, not worrying about all that sort of stuff, right? Because it's mm-hmm. so tempting as an entrepreneur. I could do this. I could, yeah, I could do anything. I could, in, I could go to the Mars. I could go to the moon. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, what am I going to be really good at? Right. And I think you nailed it on the head with what you're doing. You know, you did exactly the right thing that entrepreneurs do, right? Create an MVP, minimum viable product, get yep. it out in the world. It's going to have warts and you're not going to be happy with it. It's just <laughs> awful. Like, oh, gosh, this is such a, you know, and people yeah, are going to be get, like, you're going to yeah. get critical feedback. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yeah. Critical feedback. Yeah. This sucks. I'm going to return <laughs> yeah. it. One star. Boy. And you're like, bro. Come mm. on, man. Give me a mm. break. I'm, I'm hustling here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then you weed through the, that and you feel, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm so sad. And then you're like, okay, okay. What, what am I really seeing? And mm-hmm. the, the beautiful thing that you've done, right. Separate out the daily from the weekly, right. Or the monthly, like some people like you and I are like, Oh, brilliant. And that's awesome. And then getting the yep. feedback, Oh, maybe we should not bundle them. Maybe people mm-hmm. just want to buy them separately. 
this is the same thing that James figured out, you know, cause James cool. started like podcast.co and radio.co. And hmm. then he's like, well, they've got to get away for podcasters and guests to communicate. I'll just build that. And that's all I'll build. I won't add anything onto it Yeah. until I see if this is going to work. And cool. I think I mentioned this with him when I talked to him, he's like a 22,000 people on this platform, Wow, which is insane, right? That is crazy. And he launched it like less than a year or a year ago. Um, so, you know, being a podcaster, being on, you know, matchmaker.fm, like I am, um, how have you found getting guests and talking about, and, and how have you found your podcasting experience? Cause I think that they go hand in hand and what you're trying to do. It's, oh, it's always kind of super important to build a audience. This is the one thing I also learned, like build an audience of people that like you and trust mm-hmm. you. And then eventually they may want to buy stuff from you. So are you finding that? How, how have you gone about like building your podcast? Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. Um, fortunately I am, you know, I have, uh, I guess a decent network of podcasters that, you know, I'm able to brainstorm with and, and get some um, ideas from. And so that helped just kind of get things set up for launch and just, I guess to give a little bit, of an idea of my podcast, the, the tagline to it is defining success beyond dollars, right? So I, what I really love doing is not only speaking about somebody's success and the things that they've accomplished, but the things that they've done, you know, the hardships that they've had to overcome in order to get there, how they defeat, defeat the odds. And I actually just had an interview with this awesome guy who grew up kind of, you know, rough childhood kind of, in the hood and kicked out of multiple colleges and ended up being invited by the the CEO of Best Buy to sit down for for lunch ended up landing a job with with Best Buy and then now has started his own own company and so it's this whole process of the journey that um that that inspires me and and getting guests who aren't just driven by their their bank account, but by the impact that they're able to have. And so the whole process with growing the podcast and finding guests, it's definitely outreach is probably what I would say is the most uh, time consuming part. And there's definitely, there, there's a, a few different strategies in regards to outreach that I've used. Um, Matchmaker is obviously one of them. There's a few other pa- platforms that I'm on. Um, I try to find uh, authors of books that I've, that I've read. I've had some authors that, you know, um, have authored some books that had a really, a real impact on myself. And so having them on is just, it's kind of eye opening, right? Because uh, without my podcast, there's no way that these people are going to give me their time. And, but for some reason, there's this mutual benefit from a podcast that people are so uh, drawn to, from being a guest as well as being the host of the podcast to where um, it's just much easier to to break through the ice and to spark up a conversation and to get somebody on board. And so that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed is just being able to have conversations with people that I've admired for years. And so, you know, I definitely need to dedicate more time to to outreach um, but I, I do have, I have a goal this year to do a hundred episodes. So, or I'm sorry, a hundred interviews and the way my wow. podcast is set up 
is I have I have my interview podcast, which is anywhere you know between forty and sixty minutes, and then I follow it up with a clarity cast, is what I call it, which is you know ten to twenty minutes. We pull out some big ideas from the conversation, and we talk about how it can be more practical and applicable to to be able to take action on that. So, you know, one interview results in in two episodes. So this year uh, I want to do a hundred interviews, and I'm trying not to pay attention to to the stats to all the, you know, how many people are downloading. <laughs> all I'm focused on are the interviews. And I hear you, man. I reevaluate a hundred interviews from now. I, I literally yesterday, we're, we're, we're actually recording this on St. Patrick's day. Mm-hmm. Yesterday was my one year anniversary of this podcast. I've done 94 episodes. Nice. So I literally dropped Congrats. A, yeah. Thank you so much. I literally dropped a pod yesterday about how I did it like all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, good on you, man. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot more work than a blog post for sure. And, um, I also think that the medium of podcasting and this sort of long form conversations, and I actually really like your idea of like, Oh, I did this interview and then I'm going to do, you know, a clarity cast or a clarity plot about, (laughs) well, this is what I learned. I mean, I may even steal that. So, (laughs) cause I think that's really, well, it wasn't my idea. (laughs) Well, I stole it from somebody else. Yeah. Well, well, what's beautiful about that is, you know, it's interesting because people say about the stats on pods. Well, it's got to be 20 minutes. It's got to be 40. Ah, well, you know, Rogan goes two and a half hours. Well, he's Rogan, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. While I hope and think that one day someone will want to listen to my voice and your voice for two hours, mm-hmm. um, you know, we got to be practical about what we're trying to do. And, and I do agree with you that the kind of like letting the conversation breathe and really being able to explore things, you just can't do that sometimes in a short form. And, and yeah. I, like I said, your idea of like, Oh, this is what I learned from this is really, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I like that because there, there is a point where people are going to want to listen to it while they're driving or whatever, when we, yep. get to, you know, drive places actually <laughs> we're still a lot of us are under COVID lockdown, but then also people just want to like, well, tell me what you learned. Um, yep. For sure. That's sort of, sort of what I do when I do my show notes. So like my intro yeah. is basically, oh, this is what I learned, right? But mm-hmm. I like that idea. It's really cool. So a hundred episodes in a year, very noble goal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be definitely uh um cheering you on because I know Appreciate how hard it. it is. I know how hard yeah. it is. And um it's just a really yeah. great thing to to try to do. Appreciate it, man. It's been it's been an exciting journey, you know, that Obviously, if you do if you do the difficult math, that comes out to twenty five a quarter, and I uh, I'm on pace to hit that this quarter, so I can at least take that as as a W, and hopefully <laughs> hopefully move that into the next one. <laughs> oh, now I got to know what you like do as your corporate gig, because anyone that uses quarters is like, okay, are you in corporate? <laughs> Yeah. We're in corporate. <laughs> so yeah, that's actually, do you want me to touch on that? Absolutely. Yeah. Come on. So, you know, I'm, that's really I'm, cool. I'm, I'm full time uh, now towards my, my product and my podcast, mainly my product, but I, you know, my, when I got everything up and running, I was working in Tampa as, as a sports scientist. So I got my, 
my master's in exercise physiology and an emphasis in sports science, which is basically, that's kind of an, uh, an umbrella term, but basically what I specialized in is what's, I guess, called like athlete monitoring. So you're, you're, you have an understanding of not only the physical external load that an athlete takes on when they go through their training, as well as their, their matches and their games, but how do they respond internally, which is what you would, you would um, refer to as internal load. So there's different techniques that you can use to track that and measure that and make sure that the, you know, the athlete is, um, is performing his best when his best is needed. And so that was my master's. Then I took that down to a research and performance facility in Tampa where I focused more so on research within um, not only athletics, but health. And so, you know, when, when doing a lot of research, we do speak in terms of, of quarters and there's, we have different projects every quarter. <laughs> and this was something that I enjoyed. I worked with a, a team of brilliant guys Um it wasn't something that, that like I've mentioned earlier in the podcast, that uh, I saw myself doing five years from now. And so when I got to the point where I really wanted to get things up and running with my own brand, you know, the, the fact that, you know, within the next five years, I saw myself taking a leap from my company, you know, if that's the case and there's no point in waiting, I'd rather take the leap now, put my back up against the wall now and make it happen as opposed to, to waiting around just because I don't want to do something scary. So that's kind of, I guess, my, my professional background before getting into my own gigs. And wow, huh? that's pretty cool. How, how did that play in? Like, so you said you played baseball in college. Is yep. That, mm-hmm. it, did was that sort of how you got interested in that or was it more like just oh i think this is just really cool how people can optimize performance yeah so i've always been intrigued with uh just the athletic realm um when i finished athletics i still had a year of school and i just kind of anticipated going into sales um but at the, at the same time you know, I, I guess why that's such, that's such a cliche. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. It's awesome though. No, it's true. I mean, it's really I, mean true. I know, I know so many athletes, they're like, once they, it's like they either, so they don't make it to the show. Right. Yeah. Like even like I, I, I actually, the reason I asked this is I, I, I actually am a publicist for professional athletes. I know you never would realize this because I don't even like to like watch sports, but it's a legacy of Jane's company. So I oh. deal with all these athletes and then their buddies and what they've all done. And yeah, it's always like, yeah, yeah the best sales guys we have are these athletes, man. They're just so go getting and they're so driven mm-hmm. to like win, 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 win. You know, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, bro, really? Yeah. They're, they're a little more depth than that, but okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, uh, you know, while I was in athletics, I, you know, obviously school, I guess, didn't come naturally to me and I finished up, I still had a year left and I found that I was actually excelling in class and I was enjoying it because I had time to put towards it. And so, you know, classes like physiology or classes that I was kind of falling and falling in love with in my last year in college. And so I'm at the same time where I'm interviewing for these sales jobs, I'm kind of understanding like 
I don't want to do that shit. Like I kind of want to stay within physiology and, and I actually began pursuing my master's degree to become a professor, but it was in that time of of my master's where I was exposed to the, the opportunity and the career path of a sports scientist started working under people involved in that field and then was, was drawn towards that. So I entered my master's degree, um, planning on getting a PhD. And then at the end of my master's degree, was basically presented with uh, an opportunity that um, was one that I, you know, if I were to continue getting my PhD, it it would have been to get an opportunity like this. So I just figured, you know, let's, let's roll with this opportunity and see where it takes me. And it brought me to being self-employed. So (laughs) so here we are. (laughs) Cool. Well, I mean, how, what from, what from your time as a ball player and athletics, do you, you know, what do you take over to your business? Cause a lot of times, I mean, the reason why athletes make great salespeople generally, of course, this is just generalization, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. They're very disciplined in, in their craft, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they are very competitive. They want to win. They got the desire to win. They're generally pretty good at team sports, depending, you know, it just depends on who you are. But Mm -hmm. that's why they make great salespeople because they're like driven to win because it's ingrained Mm -hmm. in them. Um, But but what what are some of the skills you learn from playing ball that you kind of apply to your business? I guess it it goes along the lines of what you just mentioned, but it's just it's just about showing up. I mean, uh, when you're on a a team with, you know, a, a college team, which would be considered pretty elite athletes. And they're all driven. They're all really good at what they do. But, you know, the roster might be 35 people. There's, you know, nine who start every day. But that doesn't mean if you're number 10 or number 35 that you're not showing up. So no matter how yesterday went, if it was the greatest day of the year, if it was the worst day of the year, there's 35 guys on the roster who are still showing up every day. And I think it's it's that aspect that I take with me um, more now is the how critical it is to to show up. Um, no matter what your current circumstances, no matter how well things are going or how difficult it might be, um, you know, to, every sunset or every sunrise is a chance to reset. And that means that there's another day you got to show up. And And I think there's just so much value in that. And I think that's where most entrepreneurs who succeed, I think that's where they excel is showing up every day, um, even when they absolutely don't want to like when you're in the in college athletics and you've been beat to shit in weights in the morning from six to eight and from eight to nine you ran until you puked and from one to four you 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 have practice right so no matter how shitty you feel at one o'clock you're lacing up and you're working your ass off till four o'clock so that you know that's that's kind of my my takeaway that i try to keep with me, um, you know, even today. Wow. Well, that's, and that's baseball where you don't run worth shit. in baseball. (laughs) (laughs) There's no crying in baseball either. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So the respect that I have for other athletes too, you know, ultimate man. No, I mean, I'm around some of these elite pro guys that play in the NBA, NBA, NFL, and major leagues, right? Like these guys, Mm -hmm. top of the top, man. And I just look at what they go through and I'm it's, 
you know, it's I grind, played, man. Yeah. I played soccer in high school. I, I thought, wow, I'm, you know, I was never good enough to play in college, but boy, we busted like, just like what you said, we'd wake up. Oh, 6am run. Like we weren't even practicing, like get 6am, go for a hill run. And we, mm-hmm. you know, I lived in a place where there were hills. There were no, these were not like little, they were big. Do that till 7.30, go to class, do all the stuff you got to do. Practice starts at three, we go to five and we're not only running, we're playing soccer, right? Because we, so we ran a lot and then practice after that. <laughs> right. Rinse, repeat Absolutely. five days a week, right? Sometimes Absolutely. on the weekends because, <laughs> you know, in the varsity team, we're like, well, we got a big game coming up or whatever. So, yeah. But I appreciate your time, man. This has been great. I really, of course, really looking forward to seeing what you have to, to go. Going to check out your podcast. Um, why don't you quickly just say your podcast and kind of where people can find you? Yeah. So the podcast um, is Realizations with Dallin Reber. So you can search that on Apple or Spotify. Um, I also have my website, realizations.co. It's nothing special, but it's up there if you want to, you know, check it out there. Um, but I'm, you know, mostly active on Twitter. That, that's at, at down Reber. Um, you can find me there on Twitter. If you send me a message, I'm quick to respond. Um, but those would probably be the best places to, to contact me. And if you, you know, if anybody's is interested in, uh, you know, getting a copy of the self mastery bundle, just reach out to me and let me know that you came across myself on this podcast and I'd be happy to hook it up with a discount. Awesome. Well, appreciate that, man. And again, good luck. Keep in touch and uh, stay safe. I appreciate it, Jari. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.